1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming back for another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt, and I've got Laura Spillman with me again. We're going to keep going with our conversation about uh, master teachers having a disposition to be willing to take risks and make mistakes. Um, We talked last week about some examples of risks we have taken as teachers. Um, but I want to try and, and talk this time about what's the big deal about taking a risk and making mistakes and that willingness. Why is that something that we would think would make someone a, a good teacher? Uh, hi, Laura. Hi. <laughs> So do you have ideas? I mean, I guess I want to go back to the original quote for a minute, because this is from the Margie Carter, Deb Curtis book, Training Teachers. And they, they're they challenging the idea that some people are just born, quote unquote, born teachers. Um, and that there's actually some habits of thinking or some habits of mind that are in common or that master teachers have in common. And being willing to take risks and make mistakes is one of those things.
0: Well, I was, I was thinking about this the notion of, of not taking risks
1: and... Yeah, maybe we, we need to deconstruct a little bit. That's, that's what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, the te- teachers that don't take risks, and I think, it, again, I'm just going to reiterate that I think it boils down to not having, um, kind of not having the self-confidence to take the risk Um, because, because you're scared, you know, and we said it before that you're scared, you know, what are other people going to think? And, you know, what's my director going to think? What are families going to think? But I I think you have to reframe it in, I'm doing this for the, for the children, and I'm doing this to meet their needs. And if that's my, whether you fail or not, if that's the reason why you're doing it, then, that's not a bad thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even if you fail at what you're doing, right?
1: Right. That's- I It does. And I think that's probably really key to why this would be something that really good teachers have in common, that they're willing to make, take a risk and make a mistake, is that they have children at the forefront. Children are their reason for their decisions, Um uh, y- you know, so also in this conversation, then we have to talk about the idea of self preservation and am I going to lose my job because of this risk? And right. if I lose my job, what position am I, will I be in? Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like I did lose a job because I was taking other professional risks like the podcast and, right. and things right. like that. And, and that made the folks I was working for really nervous. So, uh-huh. so there is that idea. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like we're saying, Um, if you feel like you need to keep your job, then you must not love children enough. (laughs) But, but I do think that that idea that everything we do is driven by how we think it will affect or be of value to the children, then we're going to just naturally take risks because of that mindset.
0: Right, right. Yeah. You know, one of the words that I, I truly believe has become part of my mindset this this in just this particular year and this came again from that training that I went to back in January is that word non-negotiable. Uh-huh. You know what what's your non-negotiable going to be. So when I think back to jobs that I've I've left it's maybe most likely because there's a non-negotiable that I am not I am I'm not not going to um That's the word I'm looking for, um, that I'm not going to accept, Mm -hmm. I guess. So, um, you know, if you really feel as though there's something that needs to change in your organization, you know, what is your Mm non-negotiable, you know, what, um, do you have the relationship with your leaders to go and ask about some risk that you're willing to take and are you going to be willing to accept the answer you're going to get? (laughs) Yeah. You no, know? so I, you know, I think that there's a big difference between just jumping into taking a risk and then having a more calculated risk.
1: Right, we're not talking about recklessness.
0: No, no,
1: we're talking about more of the calculated risk. Are you, are you comfortable talking about what you've discovered? Some of your non-negotiables are.
0: Yeah. No, I'm comfortable talking about it. <laughs> um, I, I think my biggest one is that I am really unwilling to um watch teachers have bad practice and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I and I what I need to work on and I know that is my delivery and actually trying to help. Um, but I truly believe that there are just some people that just should not be teaching young children. Mm-hmm and i don't say that to be mean i don't say that to be callous i'm saying it because it's true right and so i think my biggest non-negotiable is is teachers who are in it to play a teacher role but clearly not love children mm-hmm. and not understand child development right that's my and and not be willing to learn child development so i believe that that is my biggest non-negotiable
1: yeah. and that's a that's an an, a direction of risk that we didn't talk about in the last episode when we were sort of giving examples and that's the risk of holding our colleagues accountable right um, or or calling out bad practice when we see it and I'm not saying and I know you're not either start fights in the classroom in front of kids and yeah, and do all that but like, you know, I just I just don't engage in talking negatively about children over their heads, for example. Right. Like, y- right. you're not going to get me into that conversation. I'm going to walk away from you, and then you're going to feel awkward and weird. Um, right. And, right. But also know not to bring that to my door again. So, right. so that's sort of risky um, mm-hmm. in that, you know, it could start something in front of kids, or it could um, interfere with the relationships between the adults. But, mm. you know, the underlying non negotiable is, right, you know, I'm, I'm here it's, for the ch- for the children, and they're good.
0: Yeah. And I've honestly learned a lot by being a staff member again. Um. You know, it's been a long time since I've been you know, part of the staff. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely been times where I've been, you know, in the staff lounge or, you know, just around and I hear things and I just mm kind of trying not to engage Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm not, you know, it's a hard job. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. And I think we all know this, Um, but again, it's a job of choice. If you choose to be in this field and you choose to work with young children, um, then there are some things that I do believe at the core. You have to truly believe, mm-hmm. and that's that. You know, young children are highly capable. Um, <laughs> that that they are um, they are not yours to mold. <laughs> 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 Um, these are not your children, uh-huh. they are somebody uh-huh. else's children, and that, you know, your, your role is really to guide and facilitate mm-hmm. um, based on where they are. Yeah. So,
1: and so if, if we're talking about, you know, if we're asking ourselves the question now, why does being willing to take risks make you a better teacher, mm-hmm. th- then we look at the flip side. There's those folks who are in the job because it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. um they can sit in a rocking chair and just right. yell across the room to stop yeah. children from doing things um they don't they can use the same lesson plans for the third week of March every year yep. um and that's that's very comfortable there's no risk in that but there's also that's that's not good teaching that's not good right. early childhood practice right. so so there's the flip side to give us and uh, or another reason for why why this is in this list of things that master teachers would have i can
0: i can honestly say that when i think about some of the teachers that i've been working with a lot of them do really fall under this you know category that they really do take these you know pretty calculated risks mm-hmm. um, this whole process that we've been working through since january um really has shown me the amount of courage and risk that I do truly believe that um you know teachers who are dedicated to the field Mm -hmm. have um so I'm not sure where I was going with that I
1: don't think you need to go any further I think that made a good point um but it brings up another element of risk which is um hearing new information and deciding what to do with it. Um, So, you know, and that's not to say that every training you go to, God, how many things have I started with that's not to say during this episode, but every training you go to isn't full of great ideas. We do still have to be critical thinkers
0: and sift and sort.
1: But then if we do hear something, what do we do with it? What what are we willing to do with it if we hear something that we think will really improve uh, experiences for children?
0: I, I love the analogy. I heard this at a – I want to say it was a Head Start con- It might have been a zero to three or a Head Start conference, national conference mm-hmm. a long time ago. And I remember it was the closing, like the closing, closing, you know,
1: plenary or whatever. Yeah, whatever they call that.
0: <laughs> closing deal. It was the end. <laughs> she said the, – the presenter said um, – There was once a conference for ducks that wanted to learn how to fly, and they went to a three-day conference, and there were all these different workshops on how to fly, how to do tricks when you're flying, how to be graceful when you're flying, you know what to do when there's lots of other ducks in the air, (laughs) so all these different workshops, and by the end of the conference, all the ducks were flying around at the closing ceremony, and when they closed the conference, all the ducks walked out. And I love that because, you know, and especially, you know, IAC is in a couple of weeks and, you know, all Uh these teachers are going to gather at this, you know, big facility and there's going to be all these workshops and they're going to get all this information and they're going to leave all excited and then they're going to go back to Monday and probably do the same practice. Mm -hmm. Unless they go to that one workshop. That just, they were like, oh my gosh, wow, I can do this. Uh-huh. I, you know, I can take that idea and I can do something with it. Um Oh, but, you know, is my director going to like that? Or what are the other teachers going to think if I let the kids get messy? Or maybe I'm going to take them outside when it's raining. That's always kind of the thing. <laughs> yes. like, you took the kids outside when it rained? <laughs> yes, and we had a blast. Exactly. <laughs> we let, the other day it snowed. We let yep. them play in the wet snow. They got soaking wet. They had a blast. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you can just get one thing out of that three days, that mm-hmm. that one thing that you can take back on Monday and actually start to implement some change, you're taking a risk. Mm-hmm. You're on your way to being that 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 teacher that we really want mm-hmm. to have in the field.
1: Yeah. Sometimes the risk is just for yourself, like yeah. for your own growth. It may not yeah. even, you know, affect your coworkers. It's just challenging your own way of doing things or thinking about things. You know, I think about the episodes that we've done and I think you did one with me about the things we did before we knew better. Yeah. And, and how we had to, to steal from Lisa Murphy again, break up with an old idea to try something new. And that's how we grew Mm -hmm. as teachers. And, and um, that's part of the risk.
0: It takes looking at yourself critically Mm -hmm. and saying that this isn't about the kids. This is about me. Um, my circle times when I was at Head Start again, back to those sort of formative mm-hmm. years, I couldn't figure out why my kids weren't listening, and they weren't listening because my circle times were boring. <laughs> and and that that's when I'm like, why am I not taking some of this theater stuff that uh. I love and really integrating it into these circle times? Mm-hmm. And I went I, I went to a workshop at the IAC conference on incorporating dramatic dramatic um, interpretation into stories
1: uh-huh. and like
0: having the kids help stage them. We had a
1: blast. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. But and yeah. there's another, another risk then though. So I think about the people who are self-conscious about reading out loud to uh-huh. children when there's another teacher in the room or singing yeah. with children. Yeah. Um, because good Lord, I sing all the time, all day, super loud and crazy. Yeah. Um, our kids, for some reason, in the group I have right now are super into singing Baba Black Sheep. (laughs) (laughs) And for like two months, this has been the thing. And we sing it loud and we sing it high and we sing it low. And, you know, my other, the, the other teachers in the room, the kids will bring them the book with Baba Black Sheep and want to sing it, and they sing it, but they sing it so quietly, and yeah. you can tell they're so uncomfortable. And that's um, not a judgment, but that is a risk. When you know you become a yes. better teacher, when you can move through that, because mm-hmm. you're more engaging with children, you're having more fun with the children, they're having more fun with you. Yeah. Um, that music and that reading um, clearly benefit their development. Um, so something as simple as singing a little bit louder. Could yeah. be a, a manageable risk for somebody to yeah. try and take.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> oh man, I I'm just thinking now. We had Baba ba Black Sheep with like loud bells, and it's one of those songs where they can't quite find the end so they Just keep
0: yeah. going and going. They just keep going and going and going. <laughs> Yeah, that takes real skill to make a song stretch for a long period of time. <laughs> right? I think about my Uncle Jesse song. It's like, how many I'm coming up with like crazy color combinations like chartreuse.
1: Right.
0: Like, who's got on chartreuse and what is that color anyway? <laughs> so, okay.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, some people just aren't comfortable reading out loud at yeah. all, let alone yeah. reading well yeah. and yeah. reading with silly voices and reading with... Um, yeah. yeah that kind of stuff so there's a, another idea of risk yeah. Messy, messiness is a risk for some messiness people messiness
0: always, is always a big risk or you know something that's maybe um, if you're going to make something with the kids and you're really worried about the way that it's going to turn out for mm-hmm. example my kids love that, that thinking putty stuff Yeah, love thinking putty and so I was thinking okay well great let's make our own you know, certainly, there's got to be 5,000 recipes on <laughs> Thinking Putty, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I found some, and we tried some, and they all failed. The <laughs> but they, I, I did it with the kids. Uh-huh. You know? So one so then your
1: failure thing, is science. Yeah, So <laughs> then we still had fun. We yeah. still
0: with, like... You know cornstarch and lotion and stuff like uh-huh. that and they they loved it it was yeah. a good time um now the the other day when i was doing my side project i had to make um it's just a recipe for play-doh they were calling it forest dough because we were going to take it was items outdoors. from the yeah. nature uh-huh. and put it in the play-doh and this was honestly the easiest recipe i've ever used in my whole career uh-huh. and i did make it i made it on the stove um but it was great. And I added like cinnamon and some orange oil to it to make it smell really nice. Um,
1: but, you know, I just want to say yes. the greatest Play Doh I've ever made in my whole career is such a great sentence. <laughs> it was. I, I love it. Kept sorry. it on my sorry.
0: And I'm thinking about making some more tonight for the kids tomorrow because it's so awesome. Uh, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry, I interrupted you mid. Good, good, no, sorry, good, good. What I was
0: saying is, you know, um, sometimes you do have to practice things ahead of time yeah, um, to, to see how it's going to work. And, and I've been doing a lot more of that. So during the nap time, um, we're doing a whole lot right now. Um, we have an art auction coming up. So we're doing a whole lot of different types of art experiments with the kids. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of tinkering during nap time, like mixing different like acrylics and watercolors or acrylics and, you know, shimmer watercolors to see what that looks like. Um, And then we let the kids do their own mixing and their own color mixing. But I do a little practicing beforehand. Mm -hmm. So really what that does is help me not get tripped up and be like, okay, this isn't working. I'm putting it away.
1: Right. Exactly. Or getting frustrated or because, because there's another teacher in the room watching you do that too. Yeah,
0: It's it's being proactive versus reactive. Uh And I think it's the same strategy that we put in place for children with behaviors. Uh As a teacher, you got to be proactive rather than reactive. Mm -hmm. If you, proactively set up stuff that you know might be frustrating if it's not going to work do that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so and i and again that that takes some calculated risk as well
1: yeah so what about um as you were talking uh the idea of of teacher ego popped into my mind how much do you think or what role does ego play in this idea that we need to be willing to take risks and make mistakes
0: we've talked a lot about
1: risk we just started talking about mistakes a little bit but don't you think that ego is a big piece of that and and what do we need to do
0: Ego and lack of humility
1: Mm, lack of humility yeah i really
0: do i think that that I think teachers who maybe have been successful at one thing, but they keep doing that for the same 20 years Mm -hmm. and then you ask them to change it, their ego is really going to push back. I think their ego is going to say, I do this. I do this. Well, I'm not going to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm and then i and i do think that there are some teachers that do will lack some humility. Yeah. It's saying, you know, oh my gosh, you know, maybe this this isn't a good practice. Maybe it was 20 years ago, but now that i know more about child development and the way children learn, maybe it's not. And yeah. i think it's a truly humble person to say it's not that yeah, I even made a mistake. It's just that my practices need to change based uh-huh. on the information that I have about yeah. children.
1: I think that comes in, too. And you talked about this, maybe it was in the last, last episode, the folks who shouldn't be in the field anymore but still are. I yeah. think that's that's pretty ego-driven, too, because it's certainly not money-driven. They could be making money, better money, probably, most likely, doing yeah. another job. Right. Um, so sometimes it's comfort, but I think sometimes it's ego too. And I think that's the, the teachers who are in it to play school or yeah. to be the, the, the teacher in, you know, their imaginary idea of what a teacher is in control and, right, you know, having power and imparting all this knowledge to these, you know, yeah. lesser beings. Um, well, which,
0: and we talk a lot about, um, Whenever I've done trainings on continuity of care, and I'm helping teachers rethink the idea of being just a twos teacher or just Mm -hmm. an infant teacher or just a toddler teacher that that really it's a teacher of all children it's a teacher of all ages Mm -hmm. that um what happens is is when we get sort of you know i'm a really great twos teacher is what we need to help them do is value all those different stages of child development not just being a twos teacher and you can be a really good twos teacher and not be very good at infants Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you can't learn Right. It doesn't mean that you can't learn to be good at infants. So, you know, my, you know, my big push has, you know, for the last 18 years of my career has been those continuous relationships in early childhood. That has been a very difficult conversation. And I will say that ego does come into Uh that um, on all levels. The administrator who says, you're not bucking my system. This has always worked for me. I don't, it's almost like, I don't care if the research is showing that this is better (laughs) than toddlers.
1: Um, I'm not willing to admit that I need to to change.
0: Or I'm not even willing to entertain the idea Mm -hmm. that, that relationships really trump any of this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I do think that that ego gets in the way and, um, and not being willing to make a mistake implementing new practices. Right. Um, Especially
1: if there's people who've been arguing against it around you, because then you're like the first mistake, they're going to jump on that and say, see,
0: we told you so. Yeah. yeah. You know, or I could have told you that that was going to happen when you have to be willing to take that heat. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with teachers. You yeah. You know, if you make a mistake, you know, are you willing to say, you know what, I tried it and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, but I'm willing to figure out how we can make it better. You know, do you have that solution oriented, yeah. you know, attitude where I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, sometimes there's not a solution for everything.
1: Right. There's just not. Right. Um, I've gotten so. really good at using my Vygotskian self-talk uh-uh. yeah. <laughs> to, to coach the people around me through my own mistakes. You know what I mean? Like we're doing an activity that's not going right or I've put out some materials that, that right. have gotten out of control because they've never had sensory stuff before or right. whatever. And I'll just say, well, that didn't really work the way I wanted it to, but I'm going to try this next time or I'm yeah. going to add this now and see what we can do. Right. And, um, right. It's been- <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's just being
0: thoughtful about the process and being okay with the process Mm -hmm. and that the process isn't going the process of of you know taking risks with young children isn't going to be fluid all the time um you know god knows i have made some major mistakes Mm -hmm. when i was you know in my early childhood years and i'm You know, and I say this a lot in training and people kind of laugh, but it's true. I'm like, well, I really hope the kids that I had turned out okay. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, Um, But I think about those things. I really do. I think about some of the things that I did when I was very first in the field and it makes me cringe. Mm -hmm. Um, But again... Um, it's not about beating myself up. It's just saying, well, times were different then. Mm-hmm. Timeout was just what we used back
1: then. Right. I was different then.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, I was a very different person yeah. back then than I am now. I would say that even at one point, I think I became almost, you know, swung the pendulum to the other side where i became sort of radical about some things where now i can kind of see the middle oh, you know yeah. where i used to be like shaving cream is the worst thing in the whole world and you <laughs> can think of five oh, million other things but shaving cream and shaving cream is horrible shaving cream shaving cream where now i'm like well you know
1: i just use shaving cream this week it's <laughs> not
0: no, oh, see and yeah. i mean That's what I mean, though. It's all part of that professional (laughs) process. So when, when they talk about sort of this master teacher thing, and I'm not saying that I'm a master teacher by any stretch, but I am saying that you can go from one... One swing to the next, but I think the goal is, and I think this is the goal. This, this is the goal, just in life, mm-hmm. is you've got to be about that middle way. You've got to be about just sort of that middle. That you know, did you give the children a valuable experience? Absolutely, but <laughs> sure they probably had a blast. Uh-huh. You know, there is one entity that says maybe it's not safe and it's not okay but that's just one person and in so many Mm -hmm. you know so you've got to make the best decisions that you can based on your children and they probably had a great time and learned all kinds of awesome things
1: (laughs) it was in ziploc bags (laughs) You (laughs) all right well uh, any we're about at a half an hour here for the second half of this so i'm glad we divided this one into two that would have been a super long (laughs) episode I know. <laughs> Any last thoughts about risk or taking, making mistakes, or?
0: You know, I would just say, you know, for those of you who are listening, just do it. Just <laughs> Nike do it. was
1: on to something.
0: <laughs> yes, you know, just take, just take the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, my friend Erin Gibson posted something really cool on Facebook today about the woman who, um, gosh, she's like ninety something years old, and she played. In that Black Panther movie, and she became an became an actress at fifty
1: five. Oh.
0: And basically, like her whole quote was about "it's never too late."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's never too late. I'm going to be fifty in a couple of months, and I learned the coolest recipe for Play-Doh
1: <laughs> of your whole career.
0: of My whole career. So there you go. We're just going to end. Go. On
1: That's that. a good note to end on. The best Play-Doh right. of your whole career. All right. Well, thank you, Laura. See you, Heather. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you again on, uh, what's it called? That early childhood. And that's <laughs> the show. Now go get your nerd on.